I believe we're in the best brick and mortar business at the best time in history. It's easier now running 16 stores than it was when I was running four stores. I mean, we're all here to serve. It's whenever you get too big for your britches and you don't think that you need, you can learn something from somebody else. So we're so excited for today's episode. We have Brandon Unterstall from St. Louis, Missouri, with 16 stores under the name Best Wash. So Brandon, welcome to our show today. Everyone. Yeah, we're excited to have you, man. I know some people on here are going to recognize you because you're a little bit of a celebrity yourself in the laundromat world. I know you tend to keep quiet, keep to yourself, but a lot of people know who Brandon is. I'm like a C-list celebrity in the laundromat industry. So. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this, but people tell us all the time when they meet us at conferences, they're like, hey, you guys are famous. And we're like, no, 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 no. We're laundromat famous. <laughs> There's a big difference. <laughs> we are definitely yeah. not famous. We're just laundromat <laughs> famous. This is the only room in the country where anybody would know where we are. Mm-hmm. And we're okay with that, by the way. Yes. But yeah, anyway. I'm grateful for that. That's a lot to be, I wouldn't like that on my shoulder. So. <laughs> I like my anonymity. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this about us. I'll share it and you can leave it in the episode, Carla. We're actually pretty private people. We're not We're not really mm-hmm. public people. People think we are. This is very intentional. Like we have to put ourselves out there, but we do believe that God has put us in this position for a very specific reason. And uh, we will do as we're told. You know, we will. We believe we're here for a reason. God's really sm- a lot more smart than us. And uh, if if this is where he wants us, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable for us, uh, then that's what we're going to do. So that's the way we we look at kind of our platform and what we're doing. God probably wouldn't have chosen Laundromat Millionaire as a name, if we're honest. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> Carla hates that name. Uh, but but I'm all about getting attention. And I'm like, hey, if I got a goal, if I got a mission, how can I accomplish that it's mission? Works. I, I yeah, believe it works. We, we definitely take some arrows for it, but that's okay. So anyway, let's jump into your story. Enough about us. So first of all, you have 16 stores in St. Louis. But before we jump into Mm -hmm. that too much, I know you are a second generation laundromat owner. I think your mom and dad at least had a few stores before you got your first store, if I remember right. Tell me about kind of your childhood. Did you like grow up in the industry? Like were you born into the laundromat industry or uh, did they buy one when you were 12? Or how did did that work for you with your childhood? Yeah. So back in the Hey, it was a much different industry. I mean, you know, um, mm. the equipment was much, much more hands-on. There was no really systems in place. The technology just wasn't there. So um, I'm the youngest of six. None of my siblings wanted anything to do with the industry. And uh, to be honest with you, I really just didn't want to go to college. So I graduated high school. And my parents <laughs> were trying to drag me to college. And I was like, Sorry, mom, I can't do this. And so a zombie mat at the time came up um, for sale about 10 minutes from my house and it was $40,000. So um, I kind of, I don't know if you'd say I lucked into it because it was really, really bad. Um, But yeah, I took everything I had, put it into there. Um, My my parents had three laundromats at the time um, and it was a great... It was a great business that fed all of us kids. Um, we never were rich, but we were always taken care of. And mm-hmm. um, so my parents taught me everything about how to work on machines. My mom taught me how to balance a checkbook and pay all the bills and things like that. And so really, I was really blessed in that aspect of uh, I wasn't just thrown into the industry. And I always feel terrible for people who don't understand just the things that I take for granted of utility costs. Like, what should a utility cost be? Uh, how do you fix this problem? I mean... I was pretty fortunate in that category. So 
Yeah. Yeah. What were their three stores like? Did they were their stores like, you know, they were wealthy in Taj Mahal laundromats or and I assume they're in St. Louis there by you, probably, I would yeah. guess. So they had the three most different stores possible. They had one really big store. They had the smallest laundromat you can imagine. And then they had a medium-sized one that had a car wash attached to it. Oh wow. And so I learned very early on that I'm good with laundromats, terrible with car washes. So, um, yeah, the car washes are not my forte, but so, um, I owned that laundromat and I helped my parents with their, their laundromats at the time. And, uh, because I couldn't make it off of just the one little laundromat that I had mm-hmm. and then, uh, just kept buying them up as, as soon as we got uh, financially able to, and it's really worked out. So. Gotcha. So I, I'm curious because I think people would want to know, and part of the way we try to do these interviews is we try to put ourselves in the in the seat of the owner, or I'm sorry, of the viewer, mm-hmm. and think, what if they were interviewing you, what questions would they ask? Sometimes we do a good job of that. Sometimes we do a bad job. I would think people would want to know, how helpful was it and how much how, e- how much easier was it to have been second generation. You weren't handed their three stores, right? Really what I'm asking about is the transition. So at one, the way I see it, and maybe I see it wrong, but you're you're working for them. You're, I'm assuming, pretty young, but you're out of high school is the way I'm envisioning it. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that that's where you are. You find this opportunity to buy this little rundown laundromat for 40 grand. They help you do it. It's not enough to support yourself. So you're kind of balancing both. How easy was that transition into full-time ownership where you kind of, they pushed you out of the nest, so to speak, in the, in the entrepreneurial world? Was that like a 10-year journey or was it like a six-month yes. journey? Or It was a very long journey. In fact, I just moved out of my parents' house like two years ago. So I moved out of my parents' house at 27. So okay. we'd always strategically think about where we're going to build our next store, what we're going to do. So at the same time, we are very much a family and we do everything together in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So we... Well, I, what I found is it's much easier to do laundromats with scale because, you know, somebody calls in sick, it's easy to have an extra person who can take over that shift. So it's honestly been easy. It's easier now running 16 stores than it was when I was running four stores because I had to be the electrician. I had to be the plumber. I had to be whatever hat I needed to wear at the time. But um, now we can, we have the right people for all those jobs and we know what to do in those situations. I'm so glad I'm so glad you brought that up because we feel the same way even though we only have four stores because we do pickup and delivery and quite a bit of drop off and we have like a lot of revenue for four stores and people you know people always say well I don't want anything that complicated that sounds like a lot of hard work and I can honestly say sitting here today 15 years in that I do way less work Mm -hmm. and have way less stress now I'm not suggesting that my business isn't more complicated it is but because I have mm-hmm. all this revenue and all this margin and everything, I invest, we invest a percentage of that back into the business, into layers of management, into mm-hmm. team building, and yes, SOPs, and yes, technology. And my life is actually, actually simpler because I have more revenue and profit. It's just if I took it all home, it wouldn't be, right? If I tried to just keep mm-hmm. it all, then it wouldn't be. But I t- we take a percentage of it, invest it back in layers of management and team and things like that. And our life is much simpler. We work less now in our business. In fact, we don't really work at all in our business now. And I don't think people understand that. Now, there is a there is a path to get there, right? I mean, when you get to three, four stores and you don't have enough revenue, maybe initially, and for us, this is like pre-pickup and delivery, then yeah, every time you buy another store, it's more and more work. But then eventually, there's a tipping point. I guess that's a great yeah. question for you. Where was that tipping point and how long did it take you to get there? 
I would say, so we don't do any pickup and delivery and we don't do any drop off. I, okay. Some people can self-serve do it. Self-serve only. Do yep. a great job. Yeah, we're self-serve only. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's just, just our different thing. So um, there's obviously a lot of money and you guys are crushing mm-hmm. it right now. But um, we got to five stores and that was really where we really were able to, it, what it was is we were able to find people and pay them what they were owed, what they, what they deserved. Mm-hmm. So whenever we got to five stores, we we're like, oh, we can afford to bring on somebody that can help, you know, fill the vending machines or mm-hmm. help clean the drains. Just little things like that, or just a floater, for instance. You know, how valuable is not have to worry about staffing? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's immensely valuable. And then you can think about other things, such as getting more people through your door. And you know, that's at the end of the day, that's what I look at as my job to do is make sure that our laundromats are positioned well, that we can serve that customer and we can serve them really well. Because mm-hmm. anybody can spend marketing dollars to get people in the store, but can you get them back into the store? Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. Would you like to make more money from your laundromat? Would you like those machines you're paying for to have more turns per day? Do you offer wash, dry, fold services or pick up and delivery laundry services? If not, would you like to? Whether you do or not, we have an amazing opportunity for you in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, you've probably heard about it, guys, but it's our Wash, Dry, Fold, Pickup and Delivery Workshop. And to answer your first question, yes, it is for drop-off laundry, Wash, Dry, Fold, and Pickup and Delivery. So if you're doing any of those things, this workshop is going to help you tremendously. But the truth is, we were pretty so-so laundromat owners and so-so successful until we launched Drop-Off Laundry and Pickup and Delivery. And being able to what I call optimize your laundromat to generate more profit and more revenue out of the existing facility, that's the key to taking your life from good to great, financially speaking, with laundromats. And that's what made us laundromat millionaires. You don't have to just listen to us. Listen to what some of our past attendees have to say about our Wash, Dry, Fold, Pickup and Delivery Workshop in Cincinnati, Ohio. It was the best workshop I've attended in over 25 years. And what you guys have put together is nothing short of phenomenal. I think that you guys have put together both strategic and tactical systems that uh, will make an individual who wants to own the laundromat profitable within, within months, not years. Was the workshop worth the investment? Without a doubt, it was definitely worth the investment. Uh, so not only did we have two uh, very packed days uh, with uh, Dave and Carla and, and their team, uh, both uh, in the classroom and touring the facilities, uh, but we also came away uh, with this uh, extensive 100-page uh, handbook. And then after the uh, workshop was completed, I received a bunch of uh, electronic performers uh, and templates that uh, we've been able to use uh, since the workshop. Every day since the workshop, I've found myself referring back to uh, either those electronic tools or, or the handbook that we received. So, was it worth the investment? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I cannot say that enough. This was such a blessing, and I am so very grateful that. Dave and Carla put this together and are sharing their knowledge and experience with others um, to have this to have this to grow their business and to become more successful. Thank you guys. So are you interested? Go to laundromatmillionaire.com to learn more and see where you can register. 
So now with 16 stores, how many employees do you have? Like, what is your management structure? What is your hierarchy? What type of roles do the people have in your stores? So we brought on um, about two years ago, a gentleman named Nathaniel Brim, and he has become like a brother to me. I mean, I light up talking about him because he's really, he's changed my life. Mm -hmm. So he is our COO and he takes care of all the day-to-day operations. He takes care of the more extensive um, uh, problems with the machines, things that are harder fixes, and he can handle all that. Um, just making sure that the stores are up to standards. Then we have a young man who fills up all the vending machine. He'll do the light maintenance, such as cleaning drains, diaphragms, just things like that. And then we have a lady who takes care of all the staffing. So if somebody calls in sick, that's her That's her job to take that. Um, if we have an employee who's maybe not doing the best job. She'll confront that and she does a fantastic job. So that's really our management structure. Um, we just acquired five laundries that are two hours to three hours away, wow. which we have, yeah, we have no management structure just to be completely <laughs> honest with you for those stores. It's basically me at this point. So um, Nathaniel has a family and I don't want to take them from that. So as a single man, that kind of relies on me to go up there. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's where we're at right now. But we're it's it's a really good opportunity for me to see how scalable laundromats are right now. Yeah. So how long have you been in the industry? I mean, you specifically since you bought that first store. Yeah. So I'm 28 years old now. So I guess that would be nine years, 10 years, 10 years. Okay. And and do those 16 stores you have right now include the five you just mentioned? Mm-hmm. They do. Okay. So if Thank we had God, interviewed I you, do 21 right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if we had interviewed you, what a year ago? When did you acquire those? Yeah, uh, six months ago. So we acquired them six months ago. And do those include the three your parents already had? Yes, those include the three there. So, okay. and I can also kind of give you insight to that. Yeah. We got stuck at eight stores for the longest of time. So we did quarters, dollar coins, and then we t- also took a credit card. Um, and it worked great. I mean, it did, mm-hmm. it did what it was supposed to do, but still, you know, you'd get that phone call on a Sunday morning that the change machine was out. You know, I'm trying to go to church or I'm trying to do whatever you do. Um, mm-hmm. but I could never get away from it. It was just a job. And, uh, it's really hard to trust people with your money, especially whenever, you know, you don't have a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So we got to building our ninth store and it was going to be in a pretty nice neighborhood. And I said, we're going to do all card. And my father said, it'll never work. It'll never work. You're going to put yourself out of business. <laughs> and uh, we tried it and it went off fantastic. I mean, it was awesome. And then three months later, we installed it at my father's store and it's in a very rough neighborhood. And he absolutely loved it. So he, him and I are both singing praises of Alondra Works right now. It's mm-hmm. it's truly changed our life. And that's the only way we're truly able to scale. So yeah, um, that's, yeah that's, so, really well so I know we're jumping around, but I think the interviews like this can be really helpful for the audience. So I appreciate that. So with LaundryWorks, first of all, I've never heard a bad thing about LaundryWorks. We don't use them personally. Mm-hmm. I've actually met the founders. They're really good people. Uh, they have an amazing product. I've heard that from, I've literally, I know hundreds of people that use LaundryWorks and I've never heard anyone do anything other than rave. So we love to yeah. praise people that are rock stars in this yes. industry. And I know, I know them slightly because I have met them real quickly 
but I know them to be amazing people and an amazing product. So we want to promote that for mm-hmm. sure. So before that, with the eight stores, what are you, I mean, I might put words in your mouth a little bit here, so correct me. Were you spending a lot of your time collecting and dealing with coin jams and oh, going and getting dollar coins yeah. from the from the bank? And like, that's what you were spending a lot of your time. And so you couldn't scale. So yeah, we were at eight stores and I was probably because we're still building stores. So I was probably working at a minimum 70, 80 hours a week. And I mean, it was at the time I didn't realize it, but now looking back, I could never do it again. It was just, um, <laughs> it yeah, was it hard wasn't work. It wasn't a fun. <laughs> it was hard yeah, work. And now that we don't have to, now that we don't have to work quite as hard, that sounds like hard work back there. <laughs> what we did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I tell Carla that all the time. I'm like, I don't know if I could do it again or not. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I, I really am thankful. <laughs> I don't have to find out. I don't know if I would want to do it again. So, yeah. Uh, so with that being said though, I mean, how much technology differences have we seen? I mean, we've seen ozone come in. You guys are doing the injection now. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I'm excited to hear about it. I mean, there's just been so many different things. I mean, we're a big fan of Alliance machines and their machines from 20 years ago. They're not even the same thing. I mean, sure, they're washing your clothes, but they're definitely not the same machine because I've worked on those machines. and They are not fun. So these new machines are just and that's with any I would say just about any manufacturer now they're making great washing machines. I mean, the technology's caught up to it. So we're, I believe we're in the best brick and mortar business at the best time in history. So, which is really cool. I totally agree with that. I agree. I wanted to see uh, just overall what your Mm -hmm. style of business is. So things like, you know, are you open certain hours or 24 hours? Are you attended or unattended? You said you don't do drop off, don't do pickup and delivery. So it's just self-serve. Like, can you kind of tell us what, you know, coins, not coins, all that about your 16 locations? So we're very proud of the fact that we're all card. That's been the biggest thing that's helped our business. So all 16 locations? Are all locations Mm -hmm. all card now? Okay. Not um, 13 of the 16. So we're switching over as fast as we can, but stores that we just, the five that we just acquired, um, we're still taking coin, unfortunately. That makes for a fun Sunday drive every Sunday, two hours (laughs) away. So we're we're blessed. So I wouldn't change anything. But as far as our stores, our stores are attended from 11 to 8. So right before lunch to 8 o'clock at night, our employees get a one hour lunch break. We believe in paying very well. So we uh, we take care of our employees. Our, our employees are an extension of our family. So so that's something that makes our company a little bit different is we're only attended for eight hours of the day, but then we have a night shift supervisor. So at all times, one person is taking care of probably four stores, um, four to eight stores, depending on the hour of the day. So if they have a problem, they can just call the number. Um, then they'll say you have a problem with an $8 washer. Oh, I'm so sorry you're having that problem. What's your card number? Let me refund you. And we'll give them $12, you know, because it's not their fault that their washer messed up. So that's how we can do that. And it's, um, it's just something that we found out that really works well for us. So with that night shift supervisor, are they just like on call? Like they're not physically in the stores during that time, but they're just on call to take any calls well, that come up? They're actually in the store. They're cleaning the okay. store, making sure that there's no homeless. We're going above and beyond making sure the stores are deep cleaned. Um, We have some larger stores, so they're usually spending more time at those stores um, and things like that. And what's, I don't know if you've said it, I might've missed it. What what are your hours? Are you 24 hours? 
Uh, 24 hours. Yeah, 24 okay. hours. We have two stores in St. Louis. St. Louis can be a rougher city. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have two stores that close at nighttime. So, yeah. Okay. So out of your 16 stores, you have, did you say one person handles four to eight stores? So you must have a couple of those people mm-hmm. that kind of migrate yes. around at the different stores. And uh, they're always in one of the stores during that, let's call it off-peak time. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, if someone calls and has a problem, mm-hmm. if they need to, they drop everything and go to that store they're kind of a firefighter, right? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And we okay. are very, we believe in, we want to, we don't want, you see a lot of laundromats, you see the, just the attendant sitting down in the corner or something like that. We we want our people to be productive. We want yep. them to be a value add and not a value, you know? Um, so our employees are always clean and trying to get people to, re- we're trying to get them to remember people's names, open the door, you know, clean the cartwheels, you know, just the extra things because, uh, in this industry, unfortunately, um, knowing your customers not really the the we do a we can do a poor job at that. So going above and beyond with customer service, that's what we're here to do. Everybody's got a tattoo on their forehead that says "Make me feel important," and that's what we're here to do. So mm-hmm. there's nothing better than free. Ever heard that before? Well, it's not true. You know what your laundromat customers like even better than free? It's fast. That's right. They want to save time more than they want to save money in most cases. They want to get in and out of your laundromat as fast as possible, and they'll pay more for that experience. We're proof of that here in Cincinnati. That's why we added HM Company drain troughs into our newest store in Cincinnati. While they may never know why, your customers will love that your washers all drain better and faster than with old school drain pipes. As if that wasn't enough, every HM drain trough is made in the USA, so they ship in only a few weeks and everyone is custom made just for you and your project. If you want to provide your customers with a top of the industry experience in your store, then contact your distributor to order your HM company drain trough today or visit draintroughs.com. Were all of your stores that you acquired kind of zombie mats or have you built any stores? Where, like, what, How did they start out, the 16? They were, uh, they were all oh wow so you didn't oh, build any so, so so yes so our business model and i i think this is kind of interesting our business model um we're in st louis property's a little cheaper so we buy existing buildings we build them out to what we want them to be so we find a um, for instance, we did a bank. We've done a Russell Stover's chocolate shop. We've done a, a former gas station and we'll convert them into a bus wash laundromat. So um, you guys know how expensive the build out is. So we own our own properties that way. With the five stores that we just acquired, those were the only five stores that we've ever bought existing laundromats. It definitely makes it easier, but also you're not going to get the infrastructure that you might might necessarily want. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason for that? Or is that just coincidence that it just, that's how you grew and it worked out that way? Uh, I love the thought of owning our real estate. I think mm-hmm. that if you've ever seen the movie founder, um, mm-hmm. the, the McDonald's, McDonald's. and yep. you know, you don't seem to realize what business you're in. You're not in the burger business. You're in the real estate business. Yeah. We're in the real estate business. You know, one day that's going to be a great retirement option for me if I want to go down that avenue. So, um, yeah, I don't want to eliminate that. So, um, if we're in St. Louis, we definitely want to own our real estate. Like there's, um, it's pretty much not an option unless there's a really good location that comes available. If it's outside of St. Louis, we'll definitely look at leasing. But, um, as far as in St. Louis, we want to 
we want to own a property. Okay. Hmm. So for all of these, you're you're kind of bringing it to what we like to call a modernized laundromat. Mm -hmm. Since you are also a person who likes to convert the old into what's new, what do you think are the necessary components of a modernized laundromat? What what do we need to have in it? Great question. I love that question. Um, you need to have customer service at no matter what. Like you that's know what? just the cheapest. Oh my goodness, Brandon! I gotta stop you. I, I am. I am so proud of you that that was your first thing that you said, because her <laughs> question, her question was framed around what I call the facility. And I always tell people, mm-hmm. I, I had to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. I had to interrupt you because I just love everything about that. And I want to draw attention to your, what you just said. And then I promise I'll let you finish. The facility so, comes second. <laughs> I, I always tell people like we yeah. spent, we as an industry spend, uh, you know, 90% of our time talking about our facilities oh, and our machines yeah. and even, even things that are important, throughput, Santa wash, mm-hmm. all those things are important. And the way she asked the question lent itself to you talking about the facility for a half an hour. And if you had, it would have been great information. And I hope we can talk about that. But I always tell people there's two sides to the business. And our industry spends 90% of our time talking about the facility. And the other 50% of the business, 50%, by the way, is operations. And you went right at operations. Yes, 1000% believe that. You went, and even though, and I'm I'm not not dumbing down your business model, I hope you don't take this as an insult. But even though you don't do pickup and delivery, you don't do you don't do the labor intensive drop off laundry at scale. These things can be very labor intensive and can require substantial teams and management of all these numbers and and you know efficiencies and all these things. Your business model is very simple, but that doesn't make it easy. You take it very seriously, and even though you have a simple business model that a lot of people would think isn't service oriented. You do. And that's why you went there first. So now I'm going to let you talk, but I had to pull it. I had to bring attention to that because my heart just skipped a beat. My heart skipped a beat. Go ahead. (laughs) So getting a wash machine to wash people's clothes, very simple. Getting a dryer to dry people's clothes, very simple. I mean, everybody, everybody's got, you know, it's easy, very easy. Um, It's easy to keep the place clean, very easy, but people will remember how they feel. How do they feel whenever they leave? Do they feel good? Do they feel icky? Um, What's their feeling? Like, what is the mom of three kids going to feel like when she leaves your store? Does she have a positive attitude? I am a creature of habit. I go to the same restaurants all the time because I know the experience that I'm going to get at those restaurants. And I think that's a very undervalued thing. Yeah. Mm. Goodness. So how do you train your attendants to deliver that high level of customer service? What do you do? Is it more who you look for or specific to their training or both? Both. I would say very much so because you're not going to get, uh, my father is, I love him to death, but he's very hard headed. He's not the best with customer service. You know, you're just not going to teach somebody who, um, you're going to look for somebody with a warm heart. I mean, you're going to want somebody who is good with talking to people who feels comfortable opening the door. So um, we always try to greet a customer as soon as they walk in the door. Good morning. Welcome to Best Wash. Good evening. Welcome to Best Wash. How can I serve you? What, what do you need? Do you, I don't think you need that big of a washer for all, for just this little bit amount of clothes. So we want somebody that's going to be cut, like open to people. We want somebody who's going to be warm um, and who understands the area that they're working in. So, yeah. 
Yeah, one of the things we tell people with with our chain here, Queen City Laundry, is when we're training and interviewing people, we're looking for someone with the heart of a servant. And I know that's like a Dave mm-hmm. Ramsey thing, right? He, like, he, he, he made that phrase uh, popular. Yeah. But well, I like to go a little deeper and I say, you know, aside from Dave Ramsey, I don't know how he feels about this, but what we say is some of us are just wired. We need and we receive internal gratification. You can call it warm and fuzzies when we help somebody. Now, some people do not feel that. It just doesn't register. It doesn't make them bad people, by the way. Let me be very clear. Uh, And a lot of them actually have big hearts, by the way. But it just doesn't do anything for them, right? It just doesn't move them to behave in a certain way. And so that's what I would throw out there is that's what we look for. And it's really hard to find. And if they have it, it's really hard to, like, diagnose it in an interview (laughs) or in a job application. So we'll go through, like, we'll go through Facebook pages and do screenings like that. We call them social. Social screenings, uh, do that kind of stuff because you go on somebody's. Um, here's a here's a little tip for everybody listening today. You go go on someone's social media feeds and you see that they're negative or hateful towards other people. That's typically. I mean, we all have bad days. Don't get me wrong. It's it's all about how we're kind of programmed. And so I'm looking. What we always tell our team is we're looking for someone who's internally receiving gratification out of that. Yes, they need money. Yes, they have bills to pay. Yes, they have babies to feed. But the money isn't enough. They actually need to go home at the end of a day and feel really good about what they did. And they usually get that high, if you will, from yeah. helping others. So just I don't a, know if that makes just sense. Just to spin but. what you're saying kind of a little bit differently. I think of it as people, there are some people who are naturally people oriented and mm-hmm. some people who are naturally task oriented. Mm-hmm. And we need yeah. both types of people. Definitely. Like for our third shift processors, we yep. want those task oriented people. They just want to put in their earbuds yep. and they totally. just process yeah. laundry. And, yep. you know, that's... They feel that gratification by, you know, checking off their list, you know, accomplishing. That's a night shift leader. We want somebody who's a busybody who who needs to do that job. They don't have to talk to many people at nighttime, but they do have to clean a lot. So, um, and I would also say too, is we do, we want people who are going to put out fires. We don't want people who are going to create fires. I don't want people to send me a picture of the lint screen saying, you know, the person who worked the night shift didn't really clean this. I want people who are just going to, you know, they might send that text to show us, but they're also going to, they're going to resolve the issue. They're not just going to tell us about an issue. And that's something that whenever we're scaling, we have got to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. What other, uh, what are other tools and resources do you use in your store? You talked about hipsh equipment. Let's go down the line here and let people know mm-hmm. what you use and why you use them. So let's start with equipment. Um, yeah. So hipsh equipment, why do you use hipsh equipment? And I don't mean the nuts and bolts, but you're welcome to share that too. Yeah. Great relationship well, with a distributor. That's kind of our story. What does that look like for yeah. you? Well, so a great relationship with hips. And that's one thing I really respect of, of you both is you create great relationships. And that's a very rare thing in this industry of not just buying the cheapest product. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I don't go to the cheapest dentist and that's for a reason. I don't know how that, how well that would go. So mm-hmm. um, I believe that they have the best machine and I also believe that they have the best technology. So that works really well with us. Um, then it works. Um, it's perfectly compatible with LaundryWorks. And so we've got to have that. What else? What other? So I know we talked about you use Santa Wash in a couple of your stores. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that for a minute because mm-hmm. I know we talked you offline do. before we started recording. You have it, I think, two of the stores, and it's been a pretty big game changer for you. What What made you decide yeah. to get Santa Wash? There was a rebate for it um, on not the rebate, not from Santa Wash, but from a utility provider in our area in the Illinois market. So oh, wow. they gave us a discount on 
Yeah, so it'll work out really well. So if anybody's in Illinois, Southern Illinois, um, you should be able to get a, a discount on that. So it worked out really well for us. We tried it. Um, I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I do, but now I think we're going to have to implement it at all of our stores, unfortunately. And I say that, unfortunately, with a smile on my face because <laughs> it is expensive. But it also has increased revenue um, substantially. So shocked at that, but it's awesome. I notice a big difference whenever I walk into the store. Um, just this, this I, have you all noticed the smell difference yeah, in your store? Yeah, smells fresher. Really cool. Very, so I'm curious. Cool. You, I it's, it's interesting to me. Sorry, I want to back up for a minute. It's interesting to me because you you said like surprisingly I liked it. So you made a decision to put it in your store. For something made you decide to do it. I guess the rebate, maybe, but you weren't really yeah. expecting to be impressed by it. Is how I read your face. Uh, if yeah. you're if you're watching on YouTube, you can see you can see Brandon's face. But <laughs> and you were like pleasantly surprised. So you thought it you thought it was, was going to kind of let you down a little. Is what I'm yeah. reading into that. Is that true? Yeah. In fact, I didn't really push it. I was kind of just like, oh, we've got this new thing. Let's see how it does. But I would walk into the store and I would have like the first. The first week, I had an older lady stop me. She's like, it smells really good in here. And I'm like, yeah, we use pine salt. Like, <laughs> wait a second. That's not the smell of pine salt. So, yeah, and we notice that more and more frequently. So we're also a big advocate of troughs. We love troughs in our laundromats. And so, you know, sometimes you can get a little bit of an icky smell from that. So um, with ozone, it's eliminated that problem. Mm -hmm. Is that the main benefits you've seen or have you like intentionally marketed it? Has it driven people into your store? Uh, do you use like the extra wash, extra rinse functions like we do and promote it as like an upcycle modifier? Has it driven revenue or just driven new customers into your store? We've grown from it organically. We have not done any advertising. We've probably only had it for uh, four to six months, probably at the okay. oldest store. And we've went up substantially with it. So I'm very surprised about that. Um, okay. we're also doing a lot of really cool, um, um, launch works just came out with this new promo code button. So any of our, um, you asked me about technology, so I'm going to get a little nerdy here, yeah. but on our kiosk, now they have a promo code button. So customers, if they see our Facebook ad or something like that, they can walk up to the kiosk, push the, um, the promo code button and then put in the promo that they saw and they'll get a card with $10 on it. We're going to capture their name, their phone number, their email address. And then that way we can really talk to our customers more, which in 2023 is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. I know we're talking about that. We just had a strategy meeting at the uh, Wash Dry Fold Conference in uh, Nashville with our leadership team at, at Laundry Boost, our marketing company. Um, and that's one of the things we were talking about is grabbing that data. And from a marketing perspective, of course, grabbing that data, which mm -hmm. is hard to get, if you can get it, which through a card system is is an easy way, not yeah. easy, but a better way to get it, you can grab that data. And then if the customers leave, if you notice that there's a pattern of them not coming back to your store, you can actually retarget them. You can digitally follow them around the internet, which I know kind of creeps people out a little bit, but from a business perspective, it's a really cool tool. And that's something mm -hmm. we're able to do through Launderboost, but you can do other places too. Uh, but you have to have the yeah. data. Otherwise, you're just wandering around on the internet aimlessly hoping someone wants a laundromat. It's amazing what you can do with this new technology. So if somebody hasn't been into one of our stores, if they haven't been in there in 30 days, we're automatically going to send them without me having to do anything. We're going to automatically send them an email saying, hey, we miss you at Best Wash. Come back in. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out really well for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what else? Hipsh, Santa Wash, Laundry Boost, or uh, Laundry Works. Laundry Works. <laughs> yeah. So, what what other services or products do you use in the in the laundromat industry that might help our audience today? What do you recommend? But as far as everything else, 
we we really try to simplify it as much as possible. I mean, we mm-hmm. if if you came into our look at our stores, you're not going to be like blown away. We're very simple. But also, I wear that like a badge of honor. I'm not very smart, mm-hmm. but I'm really good at the few things I do. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. There's a there's an old cliche out there: simple scales, fancy fails. And I talk about it a lot in our in our in our workshops we do for wash, dry, fold, and pick up and delivery. I talk about it all the time because I tell people that you know come to Cincinnati and we train and teach them how to launch, scale, and optimize pick up and delivery and drop off. And I tell them all the time, like from the first five minutes we're there, I say, be prepared to not be impressed. And they're always like, huh? We paid you a lot of money. Why are we not? Because what you should be impressed by is the repeatability of what we do. The scalability, the exec- the ability to execute every day, even when someone calls off sick, the redundancies associated with the business model. And this applies to self-serve too. But all of those things are what come back to the scalability of any business. And it's it's why you've been able to scale to 16 stores and continue to execute at a high level because you keep it simple. Yeah. Well, if we try to do pickup and deliver, if we try to do wash, dry, fold, I mean, my mind is not working. And I'm not the best at that kind of thing. So I, I, I think what you all do is much more complicated than what I do. So I respect the heck out of what you all are doing over there. I mean, it's fantastic. And I've only heard good things about what you all are doing. So I think that's really cool. And I've looked at your Google reviews and customers seem to really enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. I, I, as someone who does both, we do self serve. We started mm-hmm. as unattended self serve, twenty four hour stores. Mm-hmm. Now our stores are full service laundry centers. We do pickup and delivery. I'm not going to dispute the fact that it is more complex. It's complicated in a different way. It we is. have less stores yep. with more services, where you have more mm-hmm. so, more stores with yep. less different services. Yeah. So yep. I think that it's just different type of complication. Mm-hmm. It is <laughs> yeah. for sure. Well, it's amazing how many. How many people do this industry different? Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day who has a big, beautiful store, and they take tokens, and they're in love with their tokens. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that's necessarily the best idea, but you know, they're obviously doing a very good job at it. So, yep. who am I to say that my way is right? I think that's one of the great benefits of this industry is you can make it work for what works for what you want your business to look like, as long as you mm-hmm. have you know, the customers that like it, (laughs) as long as you can bring customers, you can do the business any way you want. Well, as long as everything comes back to what Dave said earlier, serving the customer. Mm -hmm. I mean, no laundromat is going to succeed if they're not willing to serve their customer. And I think that's, um, you can take everything else away, but if you're not, if you could have the most beautiful modern laundromat, but if you've got an ugly attendant, like a, I don't mean looks wise, but you know, (laughs) attitude wise, Mm -hmm. if you have an ugly attitude in there, well, you're struggling. I mean, you are struggling. And I want to, and not to, not to give someone a reason to not make a nice store, but I want to point out something else that's the, maybe it's not the antithesis, but similar to that is I know many people who have facilities that are very okay. Now, I'm not suggesting a, a zombie mat or something like that, but they're, they're maybe a little older. Their equipment isn't brand new. They don't have touch screens. It's clean. They have a nice bathroom. It's a very, it's a, it's a very average store, right? Facility wise. But their service is through the roof. And they're, let me tell mm-hmm. you something. They're still getting 4.8, 4.9, five-star reviews yep. because th- that that's why I, I try to point out to people. I always tell them the holy grail is both. 
If you can build the Taj Mahal yes. of laundromats and the Taj Mahal of teams who who truly mm-hmm. want to serve the community and elevate the community and and serve all of their needs, once again, that warm and fuzzy in their heart, that's when you're what I call uncompetable. I always say, if you can reach yeah. that level, you can build a laundromat across the street from me. Good luck. Like you can't, you yeah. can't outcompete what my team already does. We have one attendant. He's 69 years old old. His name's Andrew. And Andrew can serve a customer. I mean, it's amazing. I've never, he's been with us for quite some time now. I've never heard anybody not give a raving review on him. Mm -hmm. And it just is amazing what one person can do for your business. I don't ever even think about him. He's one of the, um, he's one of the night shift supervisors and I wish he wasn't because I need him around customers more, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's fun to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out to anyone out there listening today, because here's how I kind of correlate it with with when I'm coaching people. I always tell them, like, you know, business is full of seasons. And sometimes you're in a season where you're, you know, maybe a little heavy on the debt, maybe a little heavy up, heavy on leverage and things like that. And you need to what I call let that marinate. Right. I always say you need to just like work for a couple of years to chip down at your debt, get yourself a little bit more cash flow positive, maybe refinance your node and, and, and different things like that. We understand all those strategies probably. But if you're in that season, that doesn't mean you can't grow your business. Like just because you can't afford to go borrow 300K and buy a bunch of new machines or even build a new store or buy a new truck or whatever it is, there's always things we can do to optimize their business and never forget about that service. And back to the facility size, I'm bouncing back and forth. Back to the facility side, you know, one of the things my mentor, my distributor, Steve Millman, taught me a long time ago, and I tease him about it to this day because he said it so many times in the first five years, is he said, man, a can of paint goes a long ways. Oh, and, and, it yeah. is, and it is amazing. Like you don't have to, you know, there is a time for buying new equipment and mm-hmm. I'm sure we would all agree yeah. on that, but there is also a time Perfect. for just some good old fashioned elbow grease and a couple cans of paint. And it's amazing how far it will go. So I'm speaking to the audience yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. I think we all are very much agreeing on this. If you're in that season where you can't do certain things and we respect the fact that we've all been in those places. You can't always make big investments, but yes. there are free and lo- free or low cost ways to still improve yeah. your business. Mm-hmm. You should still always be trying to. And they make it. a big difference. So mm-hmm. that's all I was getting at. Yeah. Go ahead. And also to your point, though, this business is better than it's ever been before. You can do very well with one store. You can do mm-hmm. very well with two stores. There's no point of owning 16 stores. Mm-hmm. I do it because I really enjoy the process. I mean, that's what it is for me. I, I enjoy doing what I do. And so I'm, I'm weird. It's just, it, that's how it is. But I, I would just have one real, if I could, I would have one or two really good stores and have the best attendant there. You cannot compete with somebody who has a, so in St. Louis, there's one person who has a, I would say it's a probably 4,000 square foot store and they serve their customers so well. I will never even think about building a laundromat over there because I'm so happy for them. You know, they do a great job and that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve customers. And if there's somebody already giving a great laundromat experience, why would I mess with that? Mm-hmm. It's it's whenever you get too big for your britches and you don't think that you need, you can learn something from somebody else. Mm. That's a great point. That's a great point. I wanted to ask, what about branding? You have 16 stores and you have them all branded the same way. Why did you choose to do that? And what do you think are the benefits to branding? Oh, that's a great question. I I think in 2023, you have to have a brand. 
Um, there's not going to be a business that you walk into that does not have a that does not have a brand because that means that somebody's going to stand behind. If if my name's on something, I'm going to stand behind it. So um, that's one thing. But as soon as you walk into our or as soon as you pull into our parking lot, you're going to see our best wash sign. You're going to see best wash on the doors. You're going to see best wash rug. Um, this is something that I might get some people not to like me. The people who I love, the manufacturers and the laundry works, we cover up all of those. Everything on our machines, you're gonna think you're gonna see our washers and you're gonna think that Best Wash made the washer because they don't say the brand, they say they say our name on them. Um, that just goes on everything. Our soda machines don't say Pepsi, they say Best Wash. Our chip machines always say Best Wash. Every, everything there is gonna have our name on it because how many times, I don't know how many times I've been into the laundromat and heard a customer talking on the phone saying, oh, I'm at the laundromat. I don't want to hear them say I'm at the laundromat. I want them to say I'm at Best Wash because they're not at the laundromat, they're at Best Wash. And there's a difference there. Mm. So we really believe in branding. And I don't think any laundromats really focus on that. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. I will add to that. Uh, I always tell people that, you know, people get, you, you could, I guess, let me say this. You could call Best Wash Popeye's laundromat. And mm-hmm. the, the branding associated with that. Is I'm going to bring this this conversation full circle. It's all correlated back to what you said. I think about a half an hour ago, which is how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. People get really hung up on colors, and and I know we don't want clashing colors, according to Carla, <laughs> and things like that. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that having something, you know, a logo or a cartoon, or I'm not saying that's not all fun. What I yeah. tell people is, at the end of the day, I think what you're saying, hopefully I, I agree with you, I think, is that pick a brand, whatever it is. In your case, it's Best Wash, but it could be Popeyes or ABC or whatever. Oh, yeah. And they are going to directly associate that brand, its consistency with your integrity, mm-hmm. with your character, with yeah. your experience, with how you make them feel. So I feel like some people mm-hmm. spend more time picking out their colors and a cartoon um, and the fonts yeah. and things like that than they do actually like serving people. Mm-hmm. I would be very, I, I'll probably never do this, but I would i would be very uh, interested one day if you just called a place like Purple Laundromat, like the most boring name in the world, right? Mm-hmm. No, no associated yeah. with anything. Or maybe purple cow. Maybe we'll use Seth Godin or something like that. Um, and then, and then you provide them with a great experience. What's going to happen? The brand yeah. is going to be powerful. And you could pick a ridiculous mm-hmm. name too. If like you think Popeyes. of a lot of brands, they're yes. like that. I mean, yeah. like Nike. What is Nike? What is a swoosh? There's a great yeah. God, right? You know, like yeah. uh, to your point. I don't know how much how much the name actually matters as long as they know what they're getting behind that name. Yes. Because McDonald's does McDonald's make the best hamburger? Absolutely not. But people know what type of hamburger they're going to get when they go there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in watermats especially, how many watermats are going to offer the same exact service every time you go in there? I would say in our market, very, very few. Yeah. So is the laundromat going to be 100 degrees when I walk in there? Is it going to be cold? Is the change machine going to be work? Do they are they going to have bleach on their soap machine? That's something else that we believe in. If you're going to have if you're going to sell a product, you better have it all the time. Mm-hmm. That yeah. consistency. That's a great point. Branding is mm-hmm. branding is powerful stuff, and it comes full circle back to how you treat human beings, how you mm-hmm. treat them. Amen. 
important, important stuff. So we have a few more things before we wrap up, wrap up here today, but I hope you're okay with me bringing this to the forefront, and I think you will be. Uh, you're, you're a Christian. Your faith is very important to you, and you're pretty outspoken about that, maybe as much as you're outspoken about anything, because I know you're kind of quiet a lot about a lot of things. How does, that, <laughs> how does that intertwine with your business and how you run your business? How are those things correlated? We're not trying to beat people with a Bible, but we have our yeah. thoughts and opinions on that, and I'd love to hear yours because one, there might be something that we could learn in this uh, to make our first faith yeah. journey a little bit better. But you know, even if you're not a Christian, there's probably some business lessons in here. And I'll leave it with this before I let you talk, Brandon. I tell people all the time, there's a lot more wisdom in the Bible than any business out there. And so even if you're not 100%. a Christian, you open up that Bible, yeah. let me tell you, it'll change your business. A hundred percent. Well, first of all, thank you for that question. I am, I love the Lord. And I'm very blessed to um, have that. My parents very much instilled that to me. So uh, I owe them a lot for that. But servant's attitude. I mean, we're all here to serve. And that's what I, I know that's what you're going to get whenever you get into uh, one of our loaner mats. I mean, um, I like to think that we offer the best experience and everything like that. But I guarantee when you walk in, you're going to say, they serve me really well. So there's a lot of things that we do that are a little different. As soon as you walk in out of all our stores, we always have a ceramic or a porcelain floor. We have a cross that's right into the floor. So we have a white, beautiful floor. And then we have a black cross that's in there. I can send you all a picture. And we're really proud of that. That's something we're going back to do. But just back to being a Christian with that, I mean, we're here to show if it's Christian, it ought to be better. I heard somebody say that a long time ago, and it's true. If we're if we're going to claim to be Christian, it's got to be a little bit better in my book. So, mm. yeah, that's what we believe in, and we're going to stick to it. Yeah, that's fantastic. How about from a leadership perspective? How does that how does that affect your team and you as a leader? Like, how do you balance that? Because I guess what I'm saying is I, I try to, we, you know, we try to really toe the line as far as we want them to know why we're, we want them to know that we are a Christian, but we don't want it to be an intimidating thing. We don't want it to be a judgmental thing. I, I, I always, I always use the term, we just love our people as being a leader. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. So one is, I think leadership is the most undervalued thing right now in the world. I think that everything rises and falls on leadership. And if we look at the best leader ever, no question about it, Jesus. I mean, what's one person who never, never hurt anybody, who never did anything wrong, but has last left the biggest impression on earth? I mean, there's been a lot of conquerors. They've all fallen. You know, it's just how it is. But Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and is known without question, best leader. That doesn't just happen by accident. So I think the ultimate example of a leader is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really cool. There's also a lot of good Christian leaders that I look up to. I always listen to the Craig Rochelle podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, mm -hmm. but um, he's a big, I'm a big fan of him. And there's a lot of other ones out there, but yeah, I just think that we, we need to do a, we need to do a good job at being leaders and showing, um, showing people that, you don't have to, you don't have to always shout that you're a Christian, but I hope that they see something different. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I good stuff. That. That's good stuff. All right, listen, we're going to close up today. Thank you for uh, being authentic and transparent and allowing me to ask that question because that's important to us here on the show mm -hmm. um, and on our platform for sure. So what, what are any uh, last minute uh, wisdom you have for people and how can they, how can they reach you? One is that you asked me about any information, I would say big machines, do some big machine in general. Right? I'm a big advocate of that. I always say people can get a top loader at home 
they're not necessarily coming to you for a top loader. So um, I know that the, I know that that's controversial, but people can get a top loader. Oh, don't do those. Put big machines in. Big machines, big machines, big machines. So that's the last nugget of that. But um, yeah, I'm not a huge social media guy. Um, you can um, you can email me at bestwash11 at gmail.com. I've got a Facebook and an Instagram. I'm not very well. I'm not very good at using those properly. So <laughs> I can learn a lot from you both on that. All right. Listen, man, we're going to let you go for today. Thanks for taking the time out of your evening to join us and record this. Um, this has been amazing to getting to know you better. And I know we're going to see you at a conference someday and you might be in the back trying to be real quiet, but I'm going to come give you a big hug. <laughs> How about that? How about that? <laughs> well, thank you both for this opportunity. I'm really thankful for what you guys have done for our industry. I, I was talking to Nate earlier and he was saying how you both have pushed us to success. You've pushed our industry to success. And I was like, I don't feel like that's right. And he kind of pushed me on it. And I was like, you guys haven't pushed the industry to success. You've dragged it to success because <laughs> it's not been easy. There's, yeah. there's so many people who don't want to adapt to the changing world, but we have to. Yeah. We simply have to. Yeah. There's definitely some of that, but I, I will say there's been moments it's definitely felt like dragging, mm -hmm. but I... There's yeah. been a change in the industry too. Like, I feel like people yeah. are starting to come around to the idea of networking and sharing what we learn with each other and starting to realize, mm -hmm. you know, if you're across the country, I'm not competing with you. There's mm -hmm. no reason we can't share. So I think there is a movement well, there. If you're across the county, yeah, you're well, not competing okay. with them. <laughs> well, can I say something else? I know we we're supposed to end like five minutes ago, but no, I want to say fine. something else. I, the last thing I want, I, I don't, I, the last thing I want is more competition in our area, mm -hmm. but I have been shocked. We have a very busy store and we opened up a store um, about eight minutes up the street there. And we saw a dip in our business. Mm -hmm. um, it was, so we owned a store, we built a store eight minutes up the street and we thought we were going to see probably about a 20% decrease in business. Mm -hmm. We did for about three months. Mm -hmm. Well, then right after that, it came back about uh -huh. 10%. Six months later, it came back the other amount. Mm -hmm. Now we're doing better than we've ever done at those both stores. So what changed? We created customers. Yeah. There's there's not just simply, you're not just trying to get the two customers. You're trying to get more customers. And you can do that with marketing. You can do that with offering great service. There's so many different things that we can do. And so we're all here to help each other. Um, but that is by no means saying I want more competition in my market. So... <laughs> Yeah, I want to I want to actually I know we're closing guys. We're going to let you go, I promise. But I want to address that real quickly. My mentor, one of the yeah. Steve Melman at HM Company, my distributor, uh, one of my good friends to this day and an amazing human being. He told me one of the first things he told me when I got in this business is the industry is under the impression that laundromat owners are competing with laundromat owners. And they're not. Mm. There's always more market mm. share. Laundromat owners are competing mm. with household laundries, and they're, which we don't think that, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And we're competing with apartment house laundries. Mm -hmm. And his attitude was, which has driven a lot of what we do, um, and even acquisitions mm -hmm. and things like that, his, yeah. his attitude, and I believe it to be true, is what you just said. Every time a laundromat goes from either non-existent or from a zombie mat to a modernized laundromat, the market increases for the laundromat industry. And it probably 100%. decreases because we can be things they can't be. We can do things, whether it's bigger machines 100%. or the experience or the convenience or all these mm -hmm. different things. Yes, they have some pros and cons to what they do too. But the, if a modernized laundromat, a, an apartment complex and a home laundry can, can't, cannot compete with mm -hmm. us. And so that's why our industry is growing 
If the laundromat industry stepped up their game or elevated the industry, right, then what would happen mm-hmm. is these apartment laundries would just die off because we can provide something they can't provide. We just aren't. Mm-hmm. And his, his comment was 15 yeah. years ago. And I do think our industry is a much better place today than it was 5, 10, yeah. 15 years ago for sure. And we just got to keep going because we have made a difference. We are yeah. making a yeah. difference in our communities, but there's still a lot of opportunity out there, just not in St. Oh, Louis, yeah. not in St. Louis <laughs> or Cincinnati. Okay. <laughs> yep, you got it, man. All right. Listen, for Dave Men's in Cincinnati, Ohio, with my beautiful wife, Carla, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Can you believe she put up with me for 20 years? <laughs> and our good friend, Brandon, on her stall, best wash laundromats. You need to get to know him out in St. Mm-hmm. Louis, Missouri. We will see you next time for another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. Take care, everyone.